Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. All right, so this week uh, for Yolitics, we are uh, at home in our respective homes. We're not together this week practicing that whole social distancing thing uh, like so many of you are at home right now. Uh, and uh, today we're talking about the uh, financial, uh, the economic impact uh, that coronavirus is having uh, here in the United States, and it is drastic. Man, so much has changed since our, our last conversation. You know, we're sitting outside in, you know, essentially downtown Dallas at a pizza joint with a, a business owner who was really feeling the effects of some early cancellations. And here we are now. We're having to be in our own homes, the shelter in place in Dallas County, the so social distancing. And, you know, people are wondering, are they going to keep their jobs? How can they pay their rent? There, there's a lot of questions out there. I was going to say, you know, it, it, we have the luxury right now of being able to work from home. Um, so many people are at home right now and don't have the luxury of being able to work because they've been the first casualties job-wise uh, because of this virus. So we brought in somebody to talk about this who is uh, totally in the know when it comes to layoffs and furloughs, job, job losses, whatever you want to call them, whatever you want to label them. Uh, they watch this very specifically. His name is Andrew Challenger. He is the senior VP with the outplacement firm Challenger, Gray, and Christmas. Uh, Andrew, uh, can we call you Andy? Yes, please do. Uh, Andy, uh, what are you all seeing right now? First of all, thanks for being with us uh, from your own place there. What are you all seeing right now when it comes to the number of announcements of, of job reductions? It's pretty staggering, isn't it? Yeah, so the actual official announcements uh, have been lower than what we would have expected. We've started to see uh, hotel chains, a handful of airlines, uh, and now uh, uh, General Electric today announcing cuts to its aviation division, where most of the cuts and why we're seeing this enormous spike in unemployment filings. Uh, you're hearing anecdotal uh, stories about state unemployment insurance websites crashing uh, from the overload. Uh, most of the workers that are being affected are actually in small companies, in uh, 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 restaurants, bars, uh, industries that are affected where workers cannot uh, do their work from home and uh, rely on foot traffic uh, from customers. That's where we're seeing a huge number of individual people uh, having hours reduced to zero, being furloughed or being let go completely. It's not being picked up in some of these major announcements that we're hearing, uh, but on the ground, we know that Americans uh, are going without wages uh, almost immediately this week. Hey, Andy, on Thursday, the Labor Department's going to issue its number of, of jobless claims. What do you think we're going to see? Yeah, we're going to see a really big spike there. Uh, we saw it increase 70,000 uh, this last week, the highest that we've seen since uh, the natural disasters around hurricanes we saw in 2017. Uh, that, that number will be uh, much higher uh, as uh, filers are actually able to get through the systems each state has set up to a file initial claims. Uh, and, and as we see a, a large number of states uh, stop service from restaurants and bars, uh, they've closed those, those non-essential businesses down and a, a huge number of workers are going to be uh, filing for insurance for the first time. 
Andy, it, I found it, it interesting that you said that you guys were surprised that you were actually expecting more official uh, announcements of job losses. Uh, kind of walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, I, you know, again, a little bit anecdotally, but had a number of companies that were considering layoffs have decided to hold off just for uh, a little time here. Uh, I think there is some, you know, there's an altruistic part. There's companies don't want to let their people go into the midst uh, of a really scary situation on the ground, some societal panic, uh, uh, you know, for just reason. Uh, but they're not going to be able to hold on to them very long. All the companies we've talked to have said those, those layoffs that uh, they're maybe delaying for a short period in this time of uncertainty will eventually happen. Uh, and uh, as the wider uh, economy faces a downturn, as this immediate demand shock, which has impacted travel and, and leisure and hospitality, expands to the wider economy and, and we move into potentially a recession, uh, then we'll see, start to see major layoff announcements coming uh, from, from medium and large companies across, the, uh, across all sectors. Andy, just for context, also going back to the jobs numbers coming out this Thursday from the Labor Department, claims had been, jobless claims had been trending near what, a 50-year low, and now we're seeing this massive turnaround, this 180 that's happening uh, in this. You mentioned the word recession. A lot of people have also said they think that, oh, we're going to get beyond this and everything will ramp back up pretty quickly. What do you think is going to happen here, man? Yeah, I think it's such an important point, uh, right? Three weeks ago, we were firmly in the tightest labor market that we've seen in more than 50 years. And, and that context is in the back of, of uh, business owners' minds. Uh, HR departments are going through this whiplash where they're having emergency meetings of trying to hire people. And now they're talking about furloughs or, or letting people go. Um, there has been this seed of optimism that have, employers have held that there will be a snap back in the economy that we get through this uh, momentary crisis a month or two and things return to normal because companies came in on sound financial footing. I think day by day, hour by hour, that feels less likely uh, and employers uh, are more concerned that that snapback will not occur uh, and that the, the, we may already be in the early days of a recession. Now, Andy, I uh, saw a headline today that even after this is all said and done, it may still take a lot of these businesses as long as six months to ramp back up again uh, and, and to start bringing workers back on again. Do you have any good sense of, of, of what that snapback looks like once this virus is brought under control from a health standpoint? Yeah, right. There's so many unknowns, so much uncertainty around when demand will return. And, and in some ways, you know, businesses can try their best to plan for it, but, it, but it's almost an impossible task at this point with, with a lot of uncertainty still on the ground. Uh, what I think is an interesting measure is as opposed to 2008, when you saw layoffs start to just come in, in streams, we've seen a lot of companies announce furloughs, uh, which is this term that you don't you, know, you usually hear with like a government shutdown when you know it, it's it, you know demand is going to return for those workers. Uh, it, it's a term that you're, you're hearing a lot of major companies across the country announce, particularly in uh, aviation and travel, where they expect that return. Uh, what it does is allow us to uh, have marginally attached workers that are still receiving 
some level of benefits, but also they can return to work if demand uh, returns very quickly, as opposed to what we saw in 2008, where when jobs were, were disappeared uh, and, and destroyed in, in a lot of ways, it took eight years to get Americans back to work. So if we can, you know, if companies take this tactic of keeping people marginally attached and we get to the other side, uh, hopefully that will help us recover much more quickly. And to remind our listeners, we're talking to uh, Andrew Challenger from Challenger Gray and Christmas, the uh, very well-known uh, outplacement uh, firm. Uh, you mentioned the furloughs, and we're hearing a lot of that here in Texas from uh, airlines like American Airlines, which is based in Fort Worth. Uh, Southwest hasn't mentioned the, those words to my knowledge yet, which is a Dallas-based airline. But when we start talking about the oil patch, West Texas, yeah. the Permian Basin, Houston, uh, Halliburton today, Halliburton Energy Services uh, announced 3,500 people being laid off. They notified the state of Texas. That's the biggest one hit that we've seen so far, but, but dozens, hundreds of the oil firms are already laying people off. And, and Andy, you made a good point that we don't really know how many of the other mom and pop businesses are dropping a dozen, 20, 50 people from dry cleaners or restaurants, do we? Yeah, that's, that's where a lot of the, I think, pain on the ground is happening right now. It's those low-wage workers working at small-sized uh, businesses scattered across the country where the demand shock has been instantaneous. Uh, uh, we are seeing uh, companies that have been facing a supply shock as they have had deep supply chains into China. And the first actual layoffs that, that we saw were from a small toy company that couldn't get its parts for the preceding two or three months. Uh, so we'll continue to see pain there. Uh, the travel industry, uh, airlines, uh, uh, hotels, uh, shipping yards. So dock workers have felt a really quick impact. And then, uh, you know, simultaneously we're seeing this, as you mentioned, demand, uh, this shock to oil prices uh, that's caused a lot of energy companies to furlough uh, workers at this point uh, uh, very soon could turn to uh, layoffs if, if uh, uh, prices don't recover quickly. Andy, you, you mentioned uh, hospitality, travel and hospitality here. I keep up with your blog and uh, it's, it's kind of astounding when you look at the figures of how many people are employed in those industries. Uh, and you all were talking on the blog about some 14 million Americans uh, whose, whose jobs are threatened, who are really under threat right now because we've had so many shutdown orders in these different places that, you know, they can't go to work uh, essentially because there's no one uh, visiting. Um, Texas is really exposed there. I saw that we were second on the list right behind California as far as the number of people working in those industries right now. Yeah, it's, you know, you often think of America as this service economy and I think at the very beginning, people thought that might protect us, people could work from home, but in reality, most service jobs are required to be done face-to-face. -face. And, and so uh, a lot of Americans in leisure and hospitality are feeling the brunt of this crisis. Uh, 14 million workers that, that we're calculating could be affected by this. And that's only counting states that have already shut down bars and restaurants uh, to, this, to this point. Uh, uh, about 11% of all Americans work in leisure and hospitality. And as those businesses face an unprecedented uh, shutdown and, and 
uh, that, that very well may continue for a while. Uh, we're going to see a lot of Americans uh, filing for uh, unemployment insurance uh, for the first time in their lives. Uh, a lot of Americans that are really going to need uh, those checks uh, that are being talked about uh, sent, being sent directly to Americans uh, here soon as their wages dry up instantaneously. Andy, of course, here in Texas, Governor uh, Greg Abbott over the weekend shut down bars, restaurants, and, and, and places like that. Uh, so Texas is on that list as well. Here, yeah. you know, as we record this uh, podcast on Monday, one of the big questions right now, especially in the political circles in Washington, D.C., and other places, is how much economic loss can a country bear to save an unknown number of lives that might be sickened by the, by the virus out there? Two, two questions. Number one, is that question is that question on its face answerable? And number two, should something like that even be asked right now? Yeah, I think the reason it's important to ask is because it's critical to solving the, the problem here. We've seen fiscal measures from the Fed be announced week after week, uh, new measures, and they're having very little effect on stemming the, the, the losses in the financial markets. And it's because the financial markets are not operating in their, they're operating, the underlying panic is that we're having a, so, a societal panic uh, that people on the ground don't know uh, whether they're safe to go outside. Uh, they don't feel like there is a strong uh, 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 you know, infrastructure being put in place to help uh, uh, stem the spread of this epidemic. And until people feel safe, the financial markets are not going to be able to recover. And so these measures that the government is taking right now to inject stimulus directly to Americans that have lost wages is unbelievably critical uh, to, to the recovery of the financial markets as well. Andy, the numbers that you've been hearing tossed about, though, when we talk about uh, the stimulus that could be coming out of Washington, are, are they sounding adequate to you uh, for, for the challenge here? Pretty big numbers, you know, $1.82 trillion. Uh, in, in 2008, we spent about $1.3 trillion uh, to, to stem that crisis. There were people that felt like uh, that number might not have been high enough then, uh, could, have, could have been higher and, and helped us uh, stem uh, the, the uh, very slow recession or very slow recovery that we saw. Um, these numbers are big. Uh, so I think they're they're big enough to 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 match the scale of the crisis we're facing. Um, but again, that's right now anticipating that this is going to last a month or two. Uh, there needs to be uh, components in that bill that allow it to be extended if we go into a second, third, fourth month of this crisis. Andy, what do you think this is going to last? Two, three months? One, two months? You used a couple numbers there. What does your gut tell you, man? Yeah, it feels like two months to me at a, at a minimum, uh, but hard, hard to say uh, if there's so many unknowns. And, and to, to guess at that almost isn't even the point. It feels like we need to be taking action, everything we can to, to slow it down now, and then just say that the, the federal government is going to be there to help workers through the crisis no matter how long it lasts. Uh, that's really the message that needs to be sent out, needs to be clear, uh, and that's the only thing that's going to help uh, financial markets recover. 
Andy, something that really jumped out at me, and I think it jumped out at a lot of people over the weekend, was the St. Louis Fed chair coming out and saying that uh, 30% unemployment may not be an unrealistic thing in the middle of this. 30%, think about that. That's almost one out of every three jobs in this country. Does that sound, I mean, this is a, the St. Louis Fed chair, but that sounds like an extraordinary number. It does strike me as extreme. Um, you've even heard 20% out of, out of the White House. Seems extreme at this point. Uh, I think there are still measures that can be taken that uh, stop us from going into what, what those numbers indicate would be a, a Great Depression. Uh, that would be a 1920s-style depression in labor. Uh, you know, I think it's early, early to predict that. There are still things we can do uh, if it's unaddressed. Uh, those those numbers might become a reality. But at this point, uh, important to focus on the fact that employers came into this on sound financial footing. Uh, we have not seen some hidden financial asset bubble that's been uncovered through this crisis so far. And if demand returns, there is, I think, still some optimism that, that companies can get back to work pretty quickly. Andy, I think a lot of people don't really maybe know, thank goodness, uh, what an outplacement firm is. Uh, so if you can kind of explain what it is that you all do, and just because you have so much expertise in this, do you have any advice for people who do still have their jobs as far as being able to do anything they can to protect that job? Is there anything we as workers can do to, to make sure that we're not the one who gets cut when cuts are made? Or is this just so across the board that there's really nothing you can do? Yeah, I mean, there are gonna be cases where there's no fault job loss. That is, the unfortunate reality is that's absolutely coming. So prepare yourself for a job search in some ways, but there are things you can be doing now if you're working from home uh, to make yourself as invaluable as possible. And we talk about, uh, you know, as you're adjusting to this, get up at the same time every day, take a shower, get dressed, get prepared for your workday, and start being as communicative as possible. Call your manager, talk and try to get Zoom face-to-face -face with your coworkers, other people in the business so that you are visible in this time when you're not physically present If uh, and very likely uh, what may be happening in uh, HR departments across the country as they're putting together lists of who is most critical and uh, make sure that you're putting yourself at the top of that list in, in every way you can during this moment. That is great uh, info because you all deal with this all of the time. You deal with employers, you deal with workers. So everybody listen up to the advice there. I want to close on something happier because this is, I mean, this is, it's depressing to talk about, but it's reality right now. Something happier, though, is that you guys have been finding some real bright spots in the economy as well, where we've got entire industries that are desperate for workers right now. So maybe a soft landing for people who are getting pushed out. Yeah, and it's good to talk about those bright spots. There are, there's a lot of hiring that's happening at supermarkets and grocery stores across the country as people stock up their shelves for what might be a, a long time inside. Uh, we are seeing a lot of demand from delivery services 
So Amazon announced they're hiring 100,000 workers. Walmart uh, announced they're hiring 120,000 temporary workers. Uh, so, so there are areas uh, where jobs are being added. They're going to be competitive. There are more people being let go right now than there are new job openings. Uh, so, so if you uh, feel like your job is in jeopardy, if you've just been notified, move really quickly on some of those opportunities. People that are, are willing to move fast and will be flexible are, are going to be the highest uh, opportunities uh, for, for those corporations that are hiring during this moment. And one of those may not be your dream job necessarily, but Andy, this is kind of unusual when we see a big downturn like this to see a huge upswing uh, from a lot of big employers who are snatching people up. We didn't see that during the Great Recession, for example. Yeah, it's exactly right. There are people, uh, despite the fact that wages have dropped for a certain number of Americans, there are still staples that need to be uh, purchased right now. Uh, there is stimulus money coming. So we expect to continue to see demand. Uh, we just saw Domino's here in Chicago just announced they're hiring a thousand new delivery drivers and, and store managers. So there's businesses uh, that, that are going to continue to work here and uh, uh, you know, smart to look out for those uh, bright spots and, and start applying quickly to those positions because they'll uh, be filled fast. All right. That is uh I'm sorry, go ahead, Jay. No, that's, that's, Andy, it's good advice, man. It's, it, I hate to talk to you under these circumstances. Your, your firm is very well known, um, but it, it's great advice. That I'm sure people are going to, to, you know, take to heart right now, considering the headlines that are coming out every day. And, the, you know, the news is coming out later this week with the jobless claims. And, you know, like we've discussed here, I can't imagine, you know, Thursday's going to be it. The week after, the week after that, this is going to be tough for a couple of months. Yeah, it still feels like calm before the storm in a lot of ways. It's, we're about to head into a very scary month uh, where a lot of people's uh, livelihoods are going to be in question, when their lives themselves are going to be at risk. Uh, so, so it's a time to just stay pulled together, stay talking to people, uh, and, you know, communicating to your colleagues and your friends and family, uh, prepare for the crisis because it's a uh, it's coming in, in what feels like slow motion, but it'll be, be here quickly. Boy, life has been upended so much uh, already that it's harrowing to hear somebody say that this is the calm uh, before we get to the storm. Andy, we will probably be checking in uh, as we go through all of this together, uh, and we'll definitely be keeping up with that blog of yours. It really does give some, some good insight. We don't necessarily see all these numbers popping officially, but you guys are tracking it on the ground and keeping up with it. So, so thanks for doing that. Uh, Andrew Challenger, the senior, uh, out, uh, senior VP of the outplacement firm, Challenger, Gray, and Christmas with us today. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch, Andy. Thanks for having me. Boy, uh, that is a reality check for you. Uh, talking to somebody who actually is seeing all of the job cuts that are happening. Yeah, and the official books, I was looking up before we started recording the podcast here, and the state of Texas officially has about a dozen or so um, official warn notices is what they're called. They're essentially the official layoff notices. Mm -hmm. That represents probably five or 6,000 workers. But we've heard from, you know, all kinds of mom and pop businesses, restaurants, chain restaurants that have a much bigger footprint that are all being hit, you know, hard by this and are having to, you know, lay off people because their doors are closed. Jason, I think the biggest uh, two takeaways for me from him were that A, 
and I guess we know this stuff goes on, but we don't really think about it or talk about it a whole lot. But in a situation like this, how he's talking about, and they deal with these companies all the time. He's talking about how in HR right now at your business, there is a good, decent chance that they are putting lists together of who they just have to have employee wise, and maybe a second list for who they don't necessarily have to have. That's kind of- That's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's scary as hell to think about, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, businesses must survive in some form or fashion. No one wants to think that they're on the list. Hell, I don't want to think I'm on the list, right. but it's, it's, it's scary to think about. The business continuity plans uh, are in place, and those conversations guarantee you are happening behind the scenes. Just the fact that, of him enunciating that mm-hmm. really kind of, you know, sends yeah. shutters down your spine if you still have a job. It brings it home for sure, but I, I love the part where he says, you better make yourself seen, communicate, be present, even if you're not present right now because you're working from home. Let them know what you're doing. Make yourself invaluable. Uh, but then that other thing that just, you know, it, it kind of knocks you cold almost is the thought that this is not the storm yet as far as the, the economics of it. And we know that but when he puts it the way he put it, it's just like, wow, this is you know potentially going to get much, much worse. I, I wasn't expecting him to say that. Um, and and you, you think, I mean, I think, how much worse can it get? You know, I, I do like the positive in this and in, in that his firm is tracking the areas where we're seeing growth right now. We're seeing hiring really pick up by tens and hundreds of thousands of, of workers. Uh, they list Amazon and grocery stores, healthcare, government. Uh, research scientists and biologists, pharmacists, epidemiologists, healthcare equipment manufacturers, facilities management services, consumer products manufacturers, uh, economists, and last but not least, trucking, shipping, and logistics. Because Jason, you just got done talking to somebody who's already kind of seeing the horizon here. Yeah, you know, for every one of those different fields you mentioned, there's one common thread. Common thread is the supply chain. Supply chains is a nebulous term. If you're not in the field, you may not understand it. But this, this is actually the behind-the-scenes mechanism, the trucks, the railroads, et cetera, that keep our economy humming along that we don't think about every day. And there's a, a, a global logistics firm called NFI Industries. It's based in New Jersey, but there's a massive presence in Dallas. Let's listen to Ike Brown here. Ike Brown is the uh, vice chairman, and he's the president of NFI Industries. How's the logistics business these days, Ike? Well, it's, it's pretty good, really. I mean, we haven't really seen that much of a difference in the operations. Are, are you seeing more or less shipping now? It seems like when I came back from Austin the other day, the freeway was full of trucks. So there's different verticals in our business. So the beverage and the consumer products, goods, and um, uh, are, are very... And the food parts of our business are off the charts right now. Uh, we can't get enough trucks. The apparel and the footwear part of our business is, you know, has crashed. And you know we're we're adjusting to that as you know the stores and the retailers decide whether they're going to stay open or they're not going to stay open. And I got you guys have been around for what since 1932. I read is that right? That's correct. 
I know you are the third generation. You haven't been around that long, but um, the, the business has seen a lot in that time. How does this rank to what all the business has seen in the past few decades? Okay, so this is totally unprecedented, okay, as far as what we've seen, even from, you know, 9-11 or the 2008 financial crisis uh, where, you know, it's been like a kind of a slow shutdown of the economy in different sectors. And you never know as you wake up the next day, what's going to be next. So, but we've, we've adjusted and uh, you know, all of our drivers are coming to work. All of our warehouse people are coming to work. So, you know, we haven't had any slippage in staffing. And that's the most important thing. I mean, being the supply chain, you guys are really the critical link right now to keeping the economy going, to keeping people fed and things like that, aren't you? Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's kind of ironic because under normal circumstances, people usually don't have a very high opinion of truck drivers and people that are in the logistics industry or warehouse people that, you know, are operating in the supply chain. And now here we are at a critical uh, juncture in uh, this crisis and who's keeping the country moving. It's the truck drivers and the people in the supply chain. And give me an idea what all NFI does specifically. What do you all uh, mainly haul? Is it, is it consumer goods, appliances? Do you guys do, you know, sand, gravel? Give me an idea of what the business is. You know, mostly what we do, uh, we have all van trailers and we have dry vans and also refrigerators and some, some flatbeds, uh, but mostly dry vans. And we haul for the Fortune 100 companies, you know, from uh, pretty much anything that's in your house, you know, from home improvement uh, products to uh, food products to toilet paper and uh, um, consumer goods, uh, toothpaste, uh, pretty much everything that, you know, people use on a day-to-day basis. How about the toilet paper? Is more of that on the way? Well, there's, there hasn't been a shortage of toilet paper. That's a phenomenon that I haven't figured out yet. Why people, you know, have this uh, issue about stocking up on toilet paper, because not only do we haul in our trucks, but we also warehouse toilet paper for several large manufacturers. And there's plenty of paper goods available out because I didn't realize how much warehouse space there is. I'm curious about all the warehouse space in North Texas. Are they are these warehouses full? So we operate a little north of 3 million square feet in North Texas. Overall, throughout North America, we operate 52 million square feet of uh, warehouse space. And all of the warehouse space in North Texas is full right now and pretty much throughout our network we're we're full and you know i anticipate that when this thing starts to uh work its way through that corporate america is going to say hey i don't want to be in this position again where i'm caught without enough safety stock and that our warehouse business there's going to be demand for that that's even higher than what it's been the last few years what do you think is going to happen i think they're there's probably whatever available warehouse space is out there now, it's gonna get uh, uh, sucked up and that there's gonna be more demand than c- 
capacity in the market, particularly in the major markets, Southern California, Dallas, Chicago, Atlanta, uh, Northeast, and that, you know, there's, there's going to be more building of industrial warehouse space and uh, space is going to become a premium. We anticipate that, uh, and we've already been told by a lot of our accounts, get ready for around the third week of April, third, four week of April, because China's already back on stream, that we're going to be hit with a lot of product and uh, we'll be very active. I went to the grocery store the other night after work and I noticed there was some things starting to come back to the shelves. There were several big you know, stocks of paper towels and uh, things like that. It kind of signaled to me that maybe we've made the turn. Do you think we have? Uh, you mean as far as the panic buying? Yeah, the panic buying or, or just the, I, I guess the panic buying, yeah, as far as the panic buying. There, there, items are starting to be restocked, well, it seemed like to me. Yeah, there has never, at least from our point of view, because we warehouse it and we haul it, there's never been a shortage. And the customers that we do business with, which are the major paper manufacturers, consumer paper manufacturers, have told us that they have plenty of product, okay? It's just a matter of getting it through the supply chain because, you know, their uh, demand had gone up 30, 40 percent, uh, you know, almost overnight. So it's just a matter of getting it through the supply chain. Is this a good time to be in the logistics business? Every time, every day is a good day to be in the logistics business. It's a mundane business, but the country can't operate without us. That's a great point because people, like you said, people don't realize what exactly you do until you don't do your job. Right. Yeah. Everything in the country moves by truck at some point. Uh, and so, you know, if, if the trucks aren't moving and that's why we've been given national emergency uh, uh, priorities and we've been exempted in California, New York, you know, states that have gone into semi lockdown. Uh, uh, because we're critical to the economy and we're critical to the supply chain. Ike, what's your message to consumers out there? There's, see, there's plenty of product out there, okay? There's no need for panic buying. Uh, the trucks are moving. Um, uh, you know, we have, uh, we have staffing in our warehouses. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't worry about uh, uh, lack of product in the supermarkets and at the uh, grocery stores. Are people working overtime to, to handle the surge you'll have for, for some of your clients? Or uh, I don't know how the, that works in this part of the business. Yeah, not, uh, our people are, are working regular shifts. We've been getting calls from other uh, um, dedicated fleets that you know, maybe that are in the uh, mattress business or in some business where people just aren't buying, people aren't buying mattresses right now, okay? Or maybe some other products and they're looking to keep their trucks busy. So they're calling us to see what we can do. And there are some instances where we are using some of those trucks because we're in certain the food and the beverage, the water and, that we're hauling and uh, uh, products like that. You know, we need some extra capacity. So the encouraging news out of that, Jason, the conversation with Ike Brown there is he's trying to find more trucks. He's that busy. 
He's trying to find more trucks to actually get goods from the warehouses to the stores. So when you and I go, we can actually buy things. And then the other big takeaway from this, the longer term thing, as he mentioned, the third or fourth week of April, they are getting ready for all these ships to come in from China. The factories have ramped back up over there after the coronavirus stay at home orders. So the folks in China are working. That product is making its way over to the U.S. right now. And boy, that stuff is going to come in some big waves too, Jason, because we were just talking like a week ago uh, about the number of shipping containers that are just sitting idle in these Chinese ports. And I think that the last count was 2 million of them uh, because, you know, workers were staying home. So this stuff is sitting there. It's not actually leaving. Imagine they're going to be pushing out all those containers uh, in the weeks ahead. What a flood of stuff that's coming. And the flood of stuff means a couple things. Number one, most importantly, means jobs. And number two, you know, underneath all that is it, you know, it it's, keeps the economy at least humming um, in the background there. And that's what so many of us need to know is that reassurance that things are happening uh, in the economy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we know that this situation is changing by the day, by the hour, by the minute, really. I mean, it's, it's almost... Uh, tough to just keep up with the events as they're happening here and particularly in how they affect Texas and Texans. And so uh, I think that we will probably be dropping another episode this week, Jason, just, you know, trying to put as much information out there as possible. Uh, again, we're, you know, doing the facts, not fear, uh, but we're trying to, you know, paint the picture as it really stands and, and try to find some glimmers of hope in this too. And it sounds like there are some out there and we have kind of a list of folks who, who um, we want to talk to, who want to talk to us. And that list is going to grow as the news changes on this every, every hour, it seems. I woke up this morning and had like eight or 10 different alerts from CNN, from the Wall Street Journal, from the New York Times. This is constantly a fluid, very fluid story, not only in the economic impact, obviously, but the huge uh, health impact as well, too. So yeah, like you said, keep an eye on your uh, Yolitix feed. It's normally every Tuesday when we drop these. We're going to probably start uh, turning around a couple a week to at least inform you and, and share as much as we know about what's happening in Texas. Yeah, and if you subscribe, you don't have to go find it every time. It'll just come right to you there. And let us know what you're thinking right now. Leave us a comment. Uh, rate us on there as well. Let us know how you're doing. And uh, everybody out there, just be well. Keep on putting that distance between you and somebody else. We know it gets tedious uh, being at home so much, uh, but you know, hopefully we can at least give you some, some facts to listen to and again, some of those glimmers of hope as well. Uh, thanks as always uh, for listening to us this week and uh, we will uh, be pumping out another episode for you here in the days to come.